I've climbed these stairs so many times before. Why do they seem steeper than ever? Thanks for coming. I didn't want to bother you at school. Clark, you can spare me the speech about how sorry you are. I know you were hypnotized and I know that you weren't in control of your actions. I need to be honest with you. That would be refreshing. I don't know any other way to say it, but the truth is my feelings for you have changed. Clark, I want you to look me in the eye and tell me that you don't love me. I don't love you. I have waited for you to grow up, to get over whatever hang-ups you might have. I never meant to hurt you. I don't want another Clark Kent apology. It's over. Forever. Somebody save me indeed. Hello and welcome to Farm to Fable, a Smallville rewatch fan cast. I am your forever host, Michael, and I'm also the host of the RPG Academy podcast, where I talk mostly about role-playing games, but all tabletop gaming in general. I also organize a three-day gaming convention held in Dayton, Ohio, each November. Before we get started, please be advised that Farm to Fable may include adult language and reference adult behavior. Please consider us PG-13 in regards to content acceptability for your young ones. Also, this is your spoiler warning. While we will focus on each episode week to week, our discussions may and likely will reference the entire series run and the wider Superman mythos. You can email our show at smallvillefancast at gmail.com with any comments, concerns, or questions. Please follow us on Twitter at Farm2Fable and join our Facebook group page at Smallville Farm to Fable. With all of that out of the way, let's meet today's co-host. Hello. Hi, everybody. I'm Mira Manga. I'm Michael's favorite co-host of Smallville. <laughs> I don't know if he ever said that out loud, but we know it's the truth. Of course. And yeah, just really happy to be here again. Uh, it's been a little while. So what have you been up to recently? Any new changes you want to share? Anything going on in your life you want to promote? Any Smallville updates for us? Um, sadly, no Smallville, although I'm still so overjoyed that I st- keep getting the steamy episodes. <laughs> they are earmarked for me. Um, I love that. That's why we have this amazing relationship where I keep coming back. And um, yeah, I have been uh, really looking into YouTube and just doing more creative videos around gaming and creating content, mostly around Warhammer right now, which is not my oeuvre. I hate the Grimdark. Okay. I seem to get a lot of joy learning about it and sharing my learning. And I also started this really cute business called Heart and Stroll, where I find like green spaces in London and take people for a walk. People with a broken heart will feel sad. This is the inspiration was I was going on a lot of first dates and it would just be some poor person talking about their ex girlfriend. Oh no. And I, I thought this bit. I should be paid for this. And I also thought (laughs) I could call a business hashtag sad boy walks, but I think heart and stroll is better. I I agree. Yeah. That's definitely a better name. Yeah. So (laughs) I often try to do PSAs on the show. If I can share some wisdom I have gleaned from my many years walking the earth. So let me do one here. If you're on a first date, don't talk about your ex. You're welcome. Right. Yeah. Just don't do that. Don't do that. If you can't not do that, you are not ready for a first date. Yeah. Go watch swingers (laughs) and learn. And Michael, if you could share the PSA with any prospective first dates I may have, that would be so welcome. Thank you. Yeah, have, have them listen, put that on your profiles. It must be a listener of Farm to Fable. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be really good. That would help me sort the wheat from the chaff immediately. <laughs> we, we won't specify which way that means. But all right, let's jump into the show proper. We're going to do that by doing our pass the torch question. So last week, Colin had asked, keeping up with the cyborg theme, because last episode was all about the cyborg. Have you mm-hmm. ever broken anything in your body, bones? Uh, was there ever anything metal? Do you have any cybernetic implants that you're willing to share with our strangers on the internet? Yes, I would like the strangers on the internet to know that my jaw has been broken and reset. And originally we thought, oh, we'll just reset it. We'll create, we'll, we'll make the bone fit how it needs to fit. And um, it didn't work. Oh, no. So I wired up for like six weeks i was feeding myself with a syringe yeah i mean i lost a lot of weight but luckily i had i knew i had to put on a lot of weight before so i ate like donuts and pizzas for like the month ahead um but no metal just realigned and then i still wear retainers at night so at night i'm cyborg oh wow but by day i walk free oh i walk free from wires (laughs) (laughs) thank you uh Sorry, just wanted to thank Colin for that really intrusive question. Go ahead, Michael, bear your bones. <laughs> so I've broken multiple bones. Uh, I've broken my wrist twice, once in two places. I've broken the same side collarbone twice. So I've had one arm broken four times, once in two places. Uh, I've broken a toe and I've broken a finger. None of those required metal of any sort, no screws, no plates. Um, I did have my brain tumor, which I know I've talked about a little bit on this podcast, more so on my other one, that revol- uh, re- that required a craniotomy to mm. repair. So I had a do- doorknob hole-sized hole drilled into my head, my brain exposed to get that fixed. Um, and I now have what's called a cochlear implant, which is a particular type of hearing aid that uses bone uh, transmittal to let me hear. So I have a titanium screw implanted into my skull on my left side, which allows me to hear. So that is the only metal I have in my body. I do have a tattoo. I don't know if that counts because I think they have like <laughs> metallic ink. Uh, so I have one small tattoo and I have a titanium screw. That's as close as I've got. Okay. Questions. What is the tattoo of? Is it a Superman S? It is not. Uh, I got that tattoo back when I was in college, um, and I, I'm almost embarrassed to say that it is a variation on a yin-yang. Uh, okay. It's not as basic as that might sound, because it actually has some personalization of, with me and my my three best friends. We grew up, and uh, it's got some alterations to the yin-yang to kind of reflect my friendship with them. Okay, I think that's totally possible and kind of spiritual and very cute companionship. And then how the heck in tarnation do you break a collarbone? What the hey? Are you like the first time? The first time. The first time because we worked the same one twice. So uh, my house when I was very young, I was like five or six or so. We had a clothesline, which again, how you would dry your clothes if you don't have a dryer. Uh, and my sisters who were older than me and who were into cheerleading would climb up and then shimmy out to one side of this like T-shaped metal pole and they would spin around it. So they would basically put their kind of their oh waist on it. And I wanted to do that and no one would let me. So I went out once on my own when no one was around to oh stop me, climbed God. up. I remember getting to the top. I remember beginning my spin. And then I remember waking up in the hospital. I do not remember the fall. I just remember, have no idea how long I laid out there. The second time, 
I was just playing tag with my friends in the yard and I just literally tripped and fell and just sort of like face planted on the dirt. And I woke up with my arm all janky and they're like, yep, broke your collarbone again. So, so it's like you grew up in a Stephen King novel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Of course. Happy to, happy to, to share. <laughs> uh, my, my finger that I broke, I actually, I was playing basketball. Somebody threw the ball and I went to catch it. And it just sort of like stubbed my finger. And I was like, oh, that really hurt. Oh, and all the other people at the court were like, don't be a fill in the blank for what, what guys call other guys when they're not being macho. So I didn't go to the doctor for two weeks. And oh. finally, I'm like, this hurts so bad. I went to the doctor and they're like, yeah, you're an idiot. You should have came right away. Your finger's broken and we need to put a splint on it. So yeah. So go to the doctor. If you feel pain, go to the doctor. Don't, don't worry about yeah. being called names by your friends. Just go. Thank you for the second PSA. This is valuable. <laughs> and actually, I, Colin, that was a great question. It was. It was a fun question. Yeah. All righty. So with that out of the way, we're going to grab a copy of this week's Daily Planet, check the bylines, and see who brought us this episode. I mean, that's a story that could land you a byline on the front page of the Daily Planet. So we're here today to discuss Season 5, Episode 16, Hypnotic. The date of original airing was March 30th, 2006. The character of Superman was created by Jerry Seigel and Joe Schuster, and Smallville was created by Alfred Goff and Miles Miller. The writers for today were Todd Slavkin and Darren Swimmer. And the director for this episode was Mike Roll. All right, so now let's open our Smallville yearbook and see who our notable guest stars are. Get me a yearbook. Okay, so Nicole Hiltz as Simone Charcot. And that's pretty much it this week. It's really all we got. All right, so Mir, are you now ready to explore the Fortress of Solitude, the repository for all the knowledge in the known universe as collected by the Kryptonians, to get a glimpse of where we came from as well as where we may be going? Yes, I am. And let's read the summary. Let's do it. Simone comes to Smallville hypnotizing Clark with a blue pendant, ruining his relationship with Lana. Lex, upon discovering that Professor Fine is in Honduras, sets out to confront him. And that's great and all, but it doesn't tell us what we really need to know. So let's dig a little deeper, or excuse me, let's examine some additional crystals and ask the important questions. Preliminary findings suggest that the crystal responds at a molecular level to sonic vibrations. This frequency generator may be the key to telling you what you want to know. Does this episode feature a vehicle crashed or otherwise destroyed? Shockingly, no. Very much a shocker. Does this episode feature someone falling unconscious for any reason? Of course, yes. Does this episode feature someone in a hospital bed? Sadly, no hospital visit this episode. Does this episode feature Clark telling or showing someone besides, someone besides his forever crush Lana or the destined love of his life, Lois Lane, his powers and abilities? Yes. Follow-up, does that person or persons die, lose their memory, or otherwise become unable to share this knowledge, or do they become a confidant of Clark? Simone dies and Lex is deceived into believing they were temporary powers. Uh, that line, Clark, you're hypnotized. <laughs> That's the only reason. Okay. Does this episode feature Clark using his powers irresponsibly? Hell yes. Chocolate <laughs> strawberries? But I love chocolate strawberries. I do. They were great. I, I love them too, but. Yeah. Does on. Clark casually break and enter a business or residence? Not on screen, but we know he does in Metropolis. Does this episode feature a moment where the character travels a seemingly long way to have a short conversation and then leave? Yes. <laughs> Does this episode feature a conversation between two people where one person has their back to the other and is weirdly talking over the shoulder? Yes. Was the person talking weirdly over the shoulder Lex? Yes, but he is not the only one this time. Does this episode feature a particularly thirsty moment for one or more of our characters? Hell yes. You wouldn't be here otherwise. <laughs> Does this episode feature a cheeky bit of dialogue that hints at or directly references the wider Superman mythos? 
Not direct dialogue, but yes. Does this episode feature a moment with a needle drop wherein a contemporary song perfectly sums up a character's thoughts and or desires? Yes. And finally, does this episode feature a classic Smallville leap of logic wherein the characters jump to a correct conclusion around who or what is behind some mysterious event or otherwise solves a problem with little to no actual information to base such conclusions? Yes. Fantastic. So, Mira, now that we have a clearer roadmap of where we're going, let's use our X-ray vision and look closely at this week's episode. In the jungles of Honduras, some sort of biological contamination has occurred. We have two scientists slash doctors who are in a solitary hut with several dead bodies. They begin to take blood samples before Professor Fine shows up, takes the sample, kills the scientist and doctor slash doctors, and then burns it all to the ground before zooming away. So start with you, Mira. What do you want to talk about in this cold open? What stood out to you? What's, what was interesting you want to discuss? Firstly, Spike from Buffy with an American accent. What? <laughs> Amazing. Secondly, Do- <laughs> Professor Fine. Come on. But yeah, I think it works. And then I was like, because as you know, I dip in and out of Smallville because yep. you pick episodes for me. I was thinking, is this part of a wider mini subplot that we've seen in Honduras? Because it felt to me like the opening of a movie, like um, Virus, mm-hmm. you know, or the beginning of The Stand, Stephen King. I was completely lost, but immediately intrigued. And I was also, I thought it was really bloodthirsty for a cold open. So those are my thoughts. So okay. so fill me in on Prof Fine and fill me in on Honduras. Is this an ongoing situation? So this is the first time that we've seen Honduras, but it will play a part in the next couple of episodes. So the last time we saw Professor Fine, he had tricked Clark into going to the Fortress of Solitude and was about to bring Zod to this planet. Clark defeated him. He disappeared and the spaceship disappeared. And as far as we know, he's been gone since. And then this is us realizing, oh, wait, no, he's not actually dead. There's something going on. So I think the next two or three episodes will revolve around Honduras and whatever Dr. Fine is doing there. So so it's really not that surprising that you're confused. Even if you were watching along, you still might have been confused. So uh, one thing I want to mention is this episode starts with a previously on, which they don't always do that. And I think it was because they wanted to remind us of Professor Fine, again, because It's been a little while since we've seen him. So, again, I don't think you're out of left field for you to be confused by that because I think it was a confusing scene. No, um, and interestingly, because I get mine from Amazon Prime, it just was the cold open. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I did not receive the previously on. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I watch it on Hulu and there's a previously on and it goes through a couple of different things, including reintroducing us to the Dr. Fine character. Interesting. I did think it was particularly, I did think it was particularly well done. Like it is kind of shocking. You got, you know, this, these people, blood coming out of their eyes. And then even the way that Dr. Fine or Professor Fine kills them is kind of gruesome. It's almost like torture first. He, he throws the one guy into the body. So he gets the blood on him. So he's probably hosed no matter what. Yeah. And then he like, you know, torches everything with his fire eyes. And then even the moment, like when he zooms away at the end, there's like a little sort of like backdraft or something where like the physics of him running sort of sucks the fire out. Like I thought all that was really well done. And that's a real hut on fire. I'm pretty sure. I don't think that was a miniature and I don't think that was CGI. I think they actually burned something down in the woods. 
Yeah, I completely agree. It felt like a it felt like a completely different genre piece, right? Like it felt mm-hmm. like a horror or much more adult in tone than we're used to in Smallville. And yeah, I noticed that the makeup was like wow, it was like proper horror makeup. <laughs> and even um, Doc, uh, Professor Fine doing his Terminator Two like Spike yep. seemed like it was. It didn't look like it didn't look cheesy. It looked great actually Mm -hmm. so yeah definitely i could think we could see the money on screen yeah i would agree with that uh not to go a full cold open without having some nitpick of sorts i will mention i don't know and i I do say i don't know because i could be wrong but i think the people that were already in the hut were dead and i don't think it's as easy to draw blood from a person who's dead as, as they show because the heart's obviously not pumping the blood so it wouldn't go into that syringe collection is easy. I kind of feel like there has to be some sort of like sucking action rather than pumping action. I'm so glad you, uh, I'm so glad you identified such a gross nitpick. (laughs) 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 No, I agree. Like, I think it goes sludgy, you know, it's a real problem. That's why if you want to make a vampire, you have to do it quickly, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So PSA, any scientists, doctors out there, is it possible to withdraw blood from a dead person as easy as we see on screen? Yeah, we really need to know that. We have to know. Yeah. Prime minds. All right. So with that, let's jump into our first act. If you don't mind, will you read that summary, please? Of course. Lana and Clark wind down a great day. Lana wants to continue the date with some sexy time, but Clark makes a very lame excuse. As soon as Lana leaves, Simone approaches Clark and uses a power to take control of his mind. Lois catches Simone and Clark making out behind the talon. Classy. Simone goes with Clark to the farm and quickly learns he has powers. Simone asks Clark to call Lana to come over, clearly so they will be caught. Lana does, and Simone tells Clark to break up with Lana, and he does. Completely contrasting what we just saw, we have another disaster in the making. But I actually really like this cold open with Lana and Clark. The way it starts, it seems for the first time in a while, they've had a good time. They've, they've been on a date. They've had some problems in the past, but it seems like they actually enjoyed each other's company. And, you know, they're, they're joking and they're laughing and they seem very much at ease. Uh, at the same time, we have a needle drop right off the bat. We have a song called Almost Honest by John Kelly Plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pick up mid-lyric or mid-song with some of the lyrics, been a long time since I lay with you in bed. Later, I was almost honest. Well, I was almost honest, which is very much about what's going on with the situation. First of all, Clark and Lana have not had physical relations in a while since Clark got his powers back. And he was honest with her, but now he can't be. So you could relate that to being almost honest with her. Uh, so how did you feel? Again, you, you kind of jump in and out, so I don't know how familiar you are with the Clark Lana situation right now, but how did this land for you that they seem to be enjoying each other's company, but as soon as Lana brings up, you know, we could go back and, you know, uh, Clark's like, That sounds great. It really does. But I have to get back to the farm. It's going to rain tomorrow and I have to put up some tarps. <laughs> I was so mad at you. <laughs> this is like such a bait and switch. I was like, okay, season five. They, they maybe they'll get it on now and then so i'm thinking this is the episode and like you know steamy warning and then he's like no i can't do anything and then another person comes in on the scene and i was like oh no like we're waiting <laughs> so long for a sexy time but with the correct person so um i was i thought it was very clever the way they did it 
and it was like almost, do you remember Dawson's Creek? I didn't ever watch the show, but I am familiar with it. So it's that kind of level of like teen romantic angst. I thought it was really well done, although extremely heavily handed with this festival. Yes. And yeah, I, ha- I have more to say about it as we okay, go in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, disappointed. And, you know, again, as you say, to echo how lame an excuse can you make up? So yeah, I wrote in my notes that even Clark can't believe he just said that. <laughs> like that. Like his excuse was, I have to put tarps up. And I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but there is sort of an allusion to putting on like protection. You know, you you have to put on a tarp because it's about to get wet and you definitely just threw cold water on this. Like, again, I don't know if they went for that, but I it it made me think of it. But I do have problems with this whole plot line. uh, And I'm sure we'll get more and more into that. That if Simone's job, as we will learn later, she was hired by Lex specifically to break Clark and Lana up. But she clearly also enjoys part of doing this. Like there is an element of she gets satisfaction because she could have accomplished the same exact thing very much easier than the way that she actually goes about it. And I've talked about this several times before. This is the episode where after this episode, we are never going to bring up how long it takes to go from Smallville to Metropolis anymore because they, the writers do not care. We, we established early, I think, in season two that it was roughly a three-hour drive to go from Smallville to Metropolis, six hours there and back. We now have people doing it in 20 minutes or less. So at this point, there's just no point even bringing that up as like a plot hole or a device. It just no longer makes sense. So we're not going to bring it up anymore because Lana's trips to and from Metropolis in this episode make no sense in comparison to what's happening on screen. And I mean, maybe they built a new freeway between now and then. <laughs> There's country lanes and now, you know, 20 minutes. Exactly. Progress. Who, who am I to argue about that, right? <laughs> uh, but I do want to mention again how good Lana is taking this. I mean, she says, Clark, whenever you're ready, I'll be waiting. As long as it takes. No pressure. It's silly Smallville drama. Clark, again, if you're not sure, he, he they did have sex. Like, they have had a physical relationship because for a short period of time, he lost his powers and he was just an, a mortal person. He then got them back after he was risen from the dead, of which Lana knows. Like, Lana knows he was dead and that he was resurrected. And since then, he's not been able to have a physical relationship because he's worried that if he has sex with her fully powered, it could hurt her. This is such typical male ego. Like, <laughs> not can I moderate my activities in the boudoir to attend to my lover's needs? No, I'll just destroy her because I'm a super powered boy. But yes, continue. <laughs> and again, I, not to get too far into it, but I, I've, I've asked the questions in other episodes. Does he not masturbate? Can he not figure <laughs> out what might happen? And then secondly, there's other things he could do to ha- make sure Alana has a good time that doesn't involve involve actual intercourse. Like, there are other options here that we could play around with. Are you saying he really does need to f*** around and find out? <laughs> yes! Yes! Yes, I agree. He does. I've gone red. <laughs> uh, so, so Lana, being the best person in the world, too good for Clark by half, says, you know what? You obviously got things you need to work out. I'll be here whenever you're ready. I got to go. And immediately Simone introduces herself like I didn't, you know, didn't know when she was yeah. going to leave. 
and she she does this really awkward hand on her brooch situation or pendant or whatever that is, uh, just in case the audience can't figure out what's going on. But it did seem like there was like this almost living entity inside yeah. the, the pendant when we zoom in. I tried to Google what this was about. I couldn't find any connection. I don't I don't know if this is a character from the comics I'm not familiar with. But yeah, it seems like there was like a living force that I thought that was interesting that we don't get any more details on. Uh, but this does touch on the fact that Clark is vulnerable to magic and hypnosis. So he's he's in invulnerable to many things. Mm-hmm. But magic and hypnosis are things that, in addition to kryptonite, he is actually vulnerable to. Yeah, so if this was D&D, like, charm spells would have full effect on this character. Yes. Yep, he's immune to bludgeoning damage, but <laughs> psychic, psychic psychic damage, damage. He's, he's vulnerable. Yeah, my yes. players, they would, Superman would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So I, I do, I'm interested in, like, the way her powers work and the way she chooses to deploy them. So her first command to Clark is that you're going to believe everything I tell you and you're going to do everything I say. And Clark's response is, well, what do you have in mind? So it doesn't seem like he's truly enthralled with her. Like he doesn't respond to everything immediate. He still has some agency in how he expresses what he thinks her desires are. Yeah. As we will find out later when she says, like, I want to know everything you can do, he doesn't just rattle off his powers. Right. He doesn't say, I'm an alien. He just, like, shows her as if he also gets some enjoyment in displaying these powers for her. Yeah. And then even later when she's like, we're going to make love, he doesn't just do that. He's like, well, I could hurt you. You know, like, there's a little bit of back and forth, so I'm a little bit confused about how her powers work, but it's probably not that important to deal with them as much as I am. I mean, I was I was kind of relieved that they didn't do the old um, I'm hypnotized shtick, because that would have been really painful to watch. Like, I liked that they kind of gave a little bit of ca- his character still remained. But it just, then it makes me ask questions that I probably am not supposed to ask. Like, there's probably a reason why they did that to not make us hate her or him that much. But then it just introduces complications mm-hmm. to why things did and didn't happen the way they did. Uh, but so he asks, like, what did you have in mind? And then we cut to them hot and heavy making out behind the talon. We get a second needle drop, Dirty Little Secrets yes. by All American Rejects. The song is about having an affair. Which that is what Clark's doing, but I don't think that's fair to equate it that way because he is not in control of himself. This is very similar to Red K. Now, to the world, can't explain that. To Lana, doesn't understand that, at least not right away. But in the moment, he's not really choosing to do this. No, I agree. I think it's not cheating if you've been hypnotized. In Smallville, <laughs> like in, in like in the real, real world, I don't think that would fly with my wife. I think she would be like, no. But in Smallville, yes. But if you were really hypnotized and she saw... You were being a chicken on stage or something. (laughs) (laughs) I think she would forgive you. Okay. Well, hopefully we never have to test that. Yeah, let's not. (laughs) So we cut into the mansion where Lex is there. He's got some maps of Honduras on his desk, and he's got some information about Professor Fine. And Lana comes in, and we learn that Lex texted her. Mm -hmm. And we're going to learn in a little while that Lex hired Simone to break Clark and Lana up. This is all part of his plan. So he would have interrupted their tryst anyways, though I would like to think that Lana would not have responded to that text the way Clark would have. You know, he runs away from every opportunity. Uh, But he basically was trying to make sure that Lana and Clark weren't around so that Simone could do her business. Uh, So he had planned on breaking them up that night anyway. Uh, so how did, again, I know you don't have all the information, so I'm interested, how did this scene land for you? 
I just completely did not realize that that's why he texted her. So thank you for like, you know, <laughs> enlightening me. I mean, I really, I really hate Lex around Lana. It just gives me like, mm. oh, the heebie-jeebies. And when you discover later on, he's being so like nefarious as usual. But I don't, it's weird because I know there's going to be like this odd triangle, right? I just don't. I don't know. I mean, sometimes even Lana and Clark don't have chemistry, but I don't feel there is a Lana Lex chemistry. I don't know. That could be like mirror filter because I don't want to see it. What do you think as like actors and characters? So it, it it's kind of hard sometimes to separate because I do know further on. Right. So I'm going to potentially spoil things for you now. There is a period of time in the future where Lex and Lana are in a physical committed relationship. How does that make you feel? I mean, I actually, she, you know, I would maybe, this is an interesting question. If you want a guy who, I mean, both men lie all the time. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe one is more murdery than the other. (laughs) Just a little, just a little bit. One has a lot more money than the other. Yeah. yeah, Really? She needs to date out of Smallville. Come on, girl. Um, Yeah. Just not really. Yeah. Not really inspired. But, you know, why not date the millionaire? The billionaire. Billionaire, right. Yep. Get it, girl. Why not? <laughs> so, I, again, I find it interesting because there are parallels. I'm sure these are built in by, de- by design that Lex is, is presenting himself in this moment as the person who trusts Lana more, who confides in her more, is honest with her to a level that maybe other people, I don't know, let's just say Clark, can't <laughs> or won't. But it's not actually true because he is lying to her the entire time. He's very choosing, carefully choosing what he does and doesn't share. Because obviously he's not sharing with her, oh, I've hired someone to go seduce Clark with the intent of breaking you up. The fact that he doesn't tell her that, everything else he is telling her, whether it's true or not, is is sort of corrupted by that, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's completely twisted, gaslighty emotionally abusive, undermining, disrespectful, all the things. All the things, exactly, yes. So in this case, he has told her before that he knows there is a spaceship that really exists because a lot of people don't believe that Lana saw that. He actually shares that he had captured it and was trying to investigate it, brings her in on that investigation, only, of course, when his own lines of investigation run dry. But then it disappears. He does not... No, as far as I'm aware, it's exactly what happens, but he believes it's connected to this Professor Fine person that he does not know is a Kryptonian AI. I think Clark does. He doesn't at this point. But he gets information that Professor Fine is now in Honduras, and that is why he's on his way there to try to find Professor Fine and, and to find the uh, spaceship. So we will learn much later that Professor Fine, i.e. Brainiac, allowed Lex to find this information to bring him there. That's all part of his plan. But Lex isn't aware of that yet. It's complicated. It's a small thing. It's a small thing. I like that. Yeah. Let's get back to the important stuff. So we cut back to the farm where Simone has been given some fresh, hot apple pie. And but she's sort of laughing. That's delicious. All I need now is a glass of champagne. I don't suppose you have that hidden behind the marmalade. Clark? Clark? What did you... 
Where did you get that? How's the liquor store, Metropolis? What? Metropolis, how? I can run really fast. So again, this is where I'm saying that Clark has agency. She does not ask Clark to get her champagne. Right. She just expresses a desire that she would like some, and Clark on his own decides to provide. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Wouldn't you just love to try Martha Kent's apple pie? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I just thought, oh my gosh, I want someone's mother to make me like a really delicious snack. Um, yeah, but I, I agree. I thought, also, why Metropolis? Does nobody in Smallville stock champagne? <laughs> like, right. We've seen the high street. They have a high street. They have yeah, probably not a good bottle of champagne, but, you know, she didn't ask for a good bottle. She, she just had a bottle. She really didn't specify. And you and I both love chocolate-covered strawberries, which is her next Oh, breakfast. my gosh. I mean. One of my favorite things in the yeah, world. Yeah. I prefer, if people ask me what cake I want for my birthday, I'm like, let's have chocolate strawberries. Like. It's one of my most loved things. So, yeah, but also I thought it was just so cheesy. Yeah. The whole sitch was very cheesy. And then her, like, like, oh, where did he go? And then when he returned, her hair kind of fluffed as he arrived. On my yeah. The... Yeah. I, I did think it was interesting that she takes the fact that he can do this pretty well. Yeah. And I guess she does have a magical pendant that allows her to control people's minds. So in the world of her normal day, here's another person that can do things that the normal person can't do. So I guess out of anyone that he would meet, she might be the one most readily able to accept that he can do these things, but she still takes it pretty well, I think. I think so. I mean, it kind of made more sense when you realized her father had been this master hypnosis criminal. So I was thinking the same as you. She probably grew up around, you know, kind of carnival psychics and people with crazy powers, maybe. So mm-hmm. she she even still, knew, she even knew to ask him what else can you do right yes like, right you know there are superheroes like um the Flash that's their one thing right is that right the running one yeah so yep Flash why, is the running one yes. yeah thank you so why wouldn't you presuppose that's all, what else can you do I kind of felt like yeah. oh she knows about this you know well and I think what we will learn later is that Lex also asked her to find out if Clark has any special abilities. Because when when he says, like, what else did can he do? And she's like, oh, he's a great kisser. So maybe she had already been prompted that he might be able to display abilities. So perhaps that's why she was so chalant yeah. about the whole thing, is that she kind of had an idea that he might be able to do multiple things. Um, I've said this before. The, his speed in the show doesn't make sense. He basically went to Metropolis and back in roughly like eight seconds of time in the show, which equates to a roughly 130,000 miles per hour. I'm counting this as breaking and entering because even if he did go into a store that was open, he doesn't have enough time to, to transact and say, here's $8 and, you know, whatever the case, I don't, I don't know how much champagne costs. <laughs> uh, so I assume that he is stealing these things for her. So I'm counting that as breaking and entering. Yeah. So this is when Simone tells Clark it's time to tell Lana and he says, she says, call him or call her. Gosh, I'm so confused. And have her come over. Now, at this point, we see that Lois or that Lana is going to show up at Met You. Or I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. So again, she is going to leave Met You or U of University of Metropolis to come back to the farm to catch them in the act of lovemaking is Simone's plan. If this takes three hours to do, that says a lot about both Clark and Simone. 
But then later we find out that Clark says they never actually sealed the deal, which I do not believe, by the way. <laughs> so I, that's why I don't think it, we can worry about the time anymore. Because if they had three hours to kill between calling Lana and Lon, Lana showing up and the last thing Simone told Clark was to make love to me, there's no way that they had three hours to kill and that didn't happen. So somewhere along the line, someone's full of crap. <laughs> Definitely. And as you were saying earlier, this is so convoluted. It's exhausting. And <laughs> um, I think you promised me steamy, but I just, yes. this was so incredibly freaking awkward. Like yes, the whole, yeah, it, it was just, yeah. I mean, we're not there yet when they go up to the loft and everything, Yeah, but I mean, I have a lot to say about that moment. Okay. All right. So, so we're jumping around, but let's just follow along. So we cut to the University of Metropolis where Lois is there, and she's now filling in Chloe because we kind of skipped over, but Lois caught Simone and Clark kind of making out behind the talon, and Chloe cannot believe it. She's like, absolutely not. That's not Clark. You don't understand. Lois is like, he's a dude. That's what dudes do. No biggie. And Chloe's like, nope, that's not Clark. You don't know Clark like I do. And Lois brings up that it was like a scene in The Last Tango. Uh, at the Talon. So I just want to quickly mention that Last Tango is a movie, or excuse me, it's a reference to a movie called The Last Tango in Paris, which is a quite a famous movie that stars Marlon Brando and Maria Schneider and was directed by Bernardo Bertolucci. Uh, And there's a lot of controversy around this movie because of a particular sex scene in which not all the actors were given the same information and it's, I don't want to get into it here, but it is controversial. If you're not familiar, you might want to do your own research. But I do think that that was an intentional parallel because Clark isn't actually in his own. He doesn't have agency here as much as he should because he's being forced to do things kind of against his will. I think that may be why they chose to reference that movie, but it is kind of a touchy subject all around. Mm-hmm. All right. And, of course, Chloe assumes there's probably some Red K or something. Uh, but they are at a disagreement. Lois wants to tell Lana, like, hey, this is going on. Chloe doesn't. Of course, that's when Lana shows up. Uh, they make up some lame excuse as to what's going on. But before they can get any further, this is when Lana gets a call like, hey, I need you to come back. Mm-hmm. Again, if this was a three-hour trip, it doesn't make any sense. But we're going to say it takes 15 minutes because that's what makes more sense now. Also, like, if you have good girlfriends, they would go with you. Ooh, oh, that's interesting. If yes. my girlfriends were like... This just happened. What the? F- and then, um, then the the boy summons the girl. I'd be like, "Oh, hey, I need to go to Smallville. I need to pick up. I need to hang some tops out or something. Can you take me?" Yes. I just wouldn't let a girlfriend rush back into a such situation like that. I just wouldn't. I'd make up some way to be with them or delay them or say, "Oh, can you go?" Do you know what I mean? I just thought mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's, it's a, I did not think about that, but that is a very good point. Whether Chloe believes this is a red K or a silver K situation, yeah. she does know Clark has powers. I, you're right. I think Chloe should have found a way to tag along or at least follow along behind, right. if nothing else, because as we will find out, Lana is devastated by what she runs into. And it is kind of unfair for them to just let her go into that on her own, I think. Right. PSA. To check in on your girlfriends. Yes. Another piece of, yes, take care of each other. Uh, so then we cut back to the loft. And again, and this is a, once again, where Clark has some free will because she says, what else can you do? And rather than just saying, well, first of all, I'm an alien. I have super speed. I can shoot, you know, fire from my eyes. Mm-hmm. I have, blah, blah, blah. He decides to show her 
that he has super strength by twisting a metal bat into an S, which you might take as a Superman. He says it's an S for Simone. And then they kiss. That's not all his powers. He did not do everything. She said, what else can you do? He did not tell her everything he could do before they get into other areas. So I'm confused as to what and how much agency Clark actually has here. But then we get into some sexy stuff where it's like, take off your shirt. Now you can take off your clothes. And she says, now take off the rest of your clothes. He does not take off the rest of his clothes because he still has boxers on. I'm confused by what her powers do because it doesn't seem like she actually has control over him. No, I agree. But like this was like, this was so distressing. Firstly, when they were going up to the loft, she says, come on, lightning legs. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, okay. Um, That's not really a sexy kind of, you know, nickname. And then obviously this happens a lot in Hollywood, but, you know, she strips to reveal incredibly scanty, like we get a butt shot, a side butt shot, scanty black lingerie. He takes off his pants, trousers in the UK, trousers, to reveal the most oversized grandparent boxer shorts. And they're not even red. Like Superman's pants are red. So disappointing. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) um you know they should probably be red speedos but that's too european we know he's an american hero we're not ready for that no one is ready for that but it was just like instant ick and i think it was it was just so i mean there's a lot of ickiness around the he was so willing and fawning to do anything for her I was like, this is not steamy. This is just like I, I'm watching through right. my fingers. So there have been some, we've watched some really steamy episodes, like, you know. Yeah. So this felt, I mean, it just felt like a smaller episode. So the steam, right. I mean, like maybe two out of 10. Right. Because the last time you were, I think it was the Alicia episode where Clark was on Red K. So again, he wasn't really in control of his own actions, but that was very steamy yeah. and sexy. Here's a very similar situation, but it it's it's more awkward. I mean, get me it's wrong. The awkward. actress playing Simone is very beautiful, but even the way it's presented, it, it wasn't presented as sexy as the Alicia episode was. It was interesting because uh, the actress who was Simone had a very film noir, you know, femme fatale vibe and this overt yes. sexuality that just didn't mesh with the rest of the Smallville kind of carry on. And then you're right, the ambigu- ambiguity with as the audience, we didn't know how will Clark respond? Because you're right, it wasn't a clear-cut command direct system. Mm-hmm. So I found it incredibly awkward. How about you? Did you find it satisfactorily steamy? Or I, I'm sure when I watched this as a younger person, you know, if I was in my 20s or so, I probably was like, oh, that's so hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as an adult now, male, married with kids, I did also find it very just like awkward yeah. and uncomfortable. But I kept getting caught up in the I don't understand part. And this is just a Michael thing because it seems like the whole point of this was to break them up. Yeah. Well, then she doesn't actually need Clark to make love to her. She could have just been like, hey, lay here with me with half of our clothes on. Call Lana. Again, Lana should be three hours away. So they're they're not making love on the couch for three hours, supposedly. But it seems like it was much quicker than that. And then. Lana shows up before they apparently can actually seal the deal, which again, the timing just doesn't make sense. And then that's when she's like, go tell Lana it's over. So as far as we know, probably that was the end of sexy time. 
But if that was the end of sexy time, then she didn't need to say make love to me. She could have just said, hey, come here and let's just like, you know, casually kind of make out on the couch for a little while. So it, none of it makes sense. It's just designed to make us, the audience, either uncomfortable, confused, or angry, or all of the above. But ultimately what happens is Lana shows up, catches them in what appears to be an intimate moment, and she's just devastated. Clark goes to her, tells her it's over, and then she walks outside, and we just see her completely break down. And unfortunately, she does not have Lois and Chloe there to support her. And it's it's awful. And everything that we have seen so far Lana is such a good-hearted person in this episode that that's awful. And, and, and it makes me hate Simone because she doesn't need to do anything that she did. And it was just cruel and unnecessary. I mean, you're, you're so right. What could have happened is that Simone said to Clark, here is what you need to say. Let's phone Lana together, save her the three-hour or 20-minute drive. You're right. Hey, I'm here with my new girlfriend. We just had sex. I'm sorry. It's over. Bye. But I mean, what we do get is really, I mean, I never know how to say her name. Is it Kristen Kruick? I think it's Crook, but it, I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, but I would say Kristen Kruick. But she, and it's the same as, I don't know if you um, ever watched Party of Five and I'm going to get the name wrong of this actress, Neve Campbell. But yeah, I would say Nev, Nev but I know who yeah. you're talking about. There's something about these actresses who emote so strongly and they can make their eyes fill with tears so we got this really beautiful um moment where you get to see those full acting chops and it was really Mm -hmm. beautiful and very emotive because we do hate simone and clark in that moment yeah absolutely and i think it's interesting like early on um i wasn't always very appreciative of kristen's acting she was very young as an actress uh, both in experience and in age when she started the show but i definitely think she has grown into this role but i still feel like she's a better actress through anger and sadness than she is when she's trying to be like wholesome and good and lovey with clark i think a lot of those scenes don't come across but i she was very effective here when she comes out of the barn and she sort of like falls down sort of like, I guess, to her knees, and you can just see all that anger and sadness wash over her face. It's heartbreaking. It truly is. It's some of the best acting that she's done, I think. Yeah, it was beautiful. Really lovely moment. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot. I know that the timing doesn't make sense. I know that the use of powers do not make sense. But do you think that Simone and Clark actually sealed the deal, or do you think they did not? I should care more, but (laughs) I feel like they definitely did. Because why would you not? Yeah, I, I agree. They, I think later Clark tells Chloe they didn't, but I think he's either lying or confused. I just, yeah. I don't think this episode makes sense, which it doesn't anyways, but I don't think it makes sense if Simone is not the type of person that would right. utilize that power to get that gratification. Yeah. I, just, I think she comes across to me as someone who would, in that case, use the power to get that gratification. And we see lie, uh, Clark lie all the time anyway. Yeah, it's true. Very much yeah. true. All right. So I know we went over that. We jumped around. We jumped ahead. But do you have anything else in the first act you want to talk about before we do move on? No, no. All right. So in our second act, we learned that Simone was, in fact, hired by Lex specifically to break Lana and Clark up, as well to find out if Clark had any unusual abilities. Simone clearly managed the first, but lies about the second. Chloe snoops around Clark uh, and Simone, knowing something is up, and steals Simone's ID. Lex meets up with Fine in Honduras. 
So we go to the mansion and Simone is there. She's come to visit Lex and he is Skyping in, which I think is very smart. Now he's already on his way to Honduras. He's on the plane, but I also think it's very smart that he would never actually be in the same room with her to give her a chance to use her abilities on him. Uh, So we find out that he hired her to break Lana and Clark up and to find out if Clark had any unusual abilities. And Simone lies and she says, yes, he's the most extraordinary kisser. Now, I had a question here, and I'm, I truly am not trying to be gross. Um, and I, I went on Twitter, and I went on Reddit, and I got a lot of people saying one thing or the other. So apparently it's canon in the show that Clark is, in fact, a great kisser. Like, I guess it's plot okay. points in other episodes that he's a wonderful kisser, right? But if you were a super person that, like, he gets shot with a gun and it doesn't hurt, then that, doesn't that mean that your sense of touch is not very acute. Like you would think if a, you get hit with a bullet and you don't feel it, then your sense of touch is, is muted in some way. Would that make it harder or even impossible to be a good kisser? Like you would think the act of being a good kisser has to do with sensation and touch and give and back and forth with your partner. I think being a super person would make it hard to be a good kisser. I mean, it, it could be to do with velocity, right? So you know when remember Houdini, <laughs> the famous escape artist, mm-hmm. and he could hold a uh, if someone struck him on his stomach, his abdomen with a, a steel pole, a metal pole, he could tense up and survive that. So potentially, and also in June we have the example of the shield, and if you try and stab someone through the shield, it repels. But if you slowly stab through the shield, you can kill mm-hmm. you can kill somebody. Obviously, in the scientifically accurate world of June by Frank Herbert. Well, there is a thing called like kinetic. Some I've actually like it's like a homemade science project I've made that if you like slap it, it will resist you. But if you put your finger and slowly push, you can go into it. I don't remember what it's called, but yeah, there is a thing like that. That's what I'm telling you to do. If you want to be a romantically a successful superhero, put your finger through slowly when you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, physically, we're a bullet to strike you on the lips potentially that would be a different physical experience and repelling to whether you're using your lips and tongue gently for a different purpose. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would kind of work the physics in my brain. Okay. So you are completely fine with Clark being a canon, excellent kisser, despite him having some yeah. sort of physical I- I- immunity to damage. But also like, look at it like this. So I have a friend, she's amazing. Her name is Jude. She's a black belt. If she wanted to, she could punch me in my arm and break it, but she can also crochet. Mm. So it's like a similar thing, right? Fair enough. Uh, The crochet example for the win. Uh, (laughs) I do want to circle back because I meant to say this earlier, but in the cold open scene where Clark and Lana are having their discussion about their dance, Clark kind of mentions how he's a very bad dancer and he almost knocks a bunch of people over. And that's another thing in the show. It is canon that Clark is a terrible dancer. Because mostly in the one of the episodes where he was dancing, Tom Welling was intentionally dancing poorly because it was making the actresses laugh at how inept he was. <laughs> so it kind of became canon in the show that Clark is really, really bad at dancing. So I thought that was a fun throwback as well. <laughs> I like that. Um, so Lex seems very disappointed to learn that Clark is not exceptional other than his ability to kiss. He seemed very sure that she would have found something out. She, of course, is lying. Uh, but she's also like, I'm out. I'm done. And Lex is like, oh, no, no, we, we've got more work to do. Don't forget, I have information that could put you in jail for a very long time. Yeah. And um, before we move too, too far into this. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Didn't you love 
like Lex is doing this from the plane on Skype, so he can't be hypnotized. There's also a little dude in a business suit sat on a chair in the plane with him. And I love that because, you know, billionaires, they always have people around them. But Lex is always on his own in that freaking mansion. So I really love that little on the spot kind of detail. Um, But this is the other thing that really ground my gears. So, So Lex is able to control this hypnotist woman by saying, I have evidence of you committing a murder. Well, actually, so what? Whoever picks me up. I will tell them to let me out. Like if I go in front of the judge or the court, like no one's going to believe that I'm a hypnotist. So freaking what? Tell everybody. I mean, I guess you could argue that if even if it, in the moment she would have gotten away, but there might have been like press coverage of like, you know, Simone, whatever name, uh, acquitted of murder, it would make it harder for her to continue her ability to just skate through life, getting what she wants. But I do agree that that shouldn't have been such a severe, you know, thing held over her head. She could have been like, I'll just get out of it. We need to come to a better agreement. But instead, she's just like, well, okay, I'm just going to have you murdered then. Like in her head, she's thinking, well, I have a superhero who can do all these things. It will be no problem to have have you killed. So maybe that's why she doesn't push back if she already had another plan in mind. Or why not like hire people to go and hypnotize 50,000 people to steal the evidence back from Lex or put Lex. Mm. It just seemed, but you know, it's Smallville. Let's go with it. Right. She, I mean, she's evil, but she's not a super genius criminal mastermind either. Like true. I, I think, and I think we learned a little bit later that her dad was like a famous hypnotist that would use his abilities to like help people like a hypnotherapist. Like I, I you know, I, I can't stop drinking. Now you can. Uh, and it seems like she might may have murdered him to get his pendant yeah. so that she could become a hypnotist. But she doesn't seem to be using it for all that much other than just, like, I'm sure she was just living high on life type yeah. of a thing. So maybe she doesn't think things at that high of a level. She's just like, I'll, again, I want champagne and chocolate-covered strawberries. She has a simple taste. Yeah. Um, I mean, so she hasn't thought that far. I either. guess I was comparing her to the purple man, you know, in Jessica Jones. Oh. And like... An amazing bad guy. Like, it's truly despicable. They did such a good job of making him vile in that series. He was horrible, but it's a very similar power, right? And so if, you know, the Purple Man would never, you could never get close to him, like, right up to the end of the series. Like, he was completely untouchable. So I think you're probably right. Like, she probably just was focusing on boy champagne, strawberry, chocolate-covered strawberries, and didn't have the wherewithal of, like, a master criminal. Like a Lex yeah. or like a Purple Man. Yeah, I, I think that's probably part of it. We, we, there's a, a kind of an important line that it said that that person in behind Lex who's on the phone says, uh, one of his assistants turns to him and says that Roberts was on the secure line and Fine isn't who they think he is. This will mostly is being played off as a red herring in a way because later on that'll come up. But it, Lex is still very interested in this Fine character. So we cut back to the farm and Clark is out there doing chores, which I also find interesting. So Simone went to take a shower, as we will find shortly, and Clark is still doing chores. Like he's still running the farm. Again, has Simone already decided that they're going to run away to California? So then why is he doing those chores? Is he getting the farm ready to be put up? I'm still a little bit confused about what her power is over him and how exactly it works. I probably shouldn't, but whatever. Also, he's lifting up these huge gas canisters or something and he just, he like chess pieces or something. I thought it was really funny. 
I like that. Yeah, and just the way he's carrying them too. Like they're so heavy. Yeah. Not only is he they're light them, but the way he's carrying them, it just accentuates how insignificant the weight is to him, which is probably on purpose, but it's very effective because those things are really heavy. But Chloe shows up and she's like, well, it's not red K or this, it's not silver K, or you'd be afraid the pitchfork was going to stab you. So what's going on? And Clark's like, I fell in love. Um, And she's like, I don't think you fell in love. I think you were pushed off a cliff. Uh He gives her a little bit of over the shoulder here and says, you know, you were the one that told me I could not be with Lana as long as I was lying to her. And Simone, I told her about my powers. So this is when Chloe knows something's really wrong. Has to be something up. So, but, but I think it's funny here is Clark is like, you're crossing a line because I have always trusted you. No, no, you haven't. <laughs> you have not trusted her many, many times. The fact that you would say that you are clearly delusional. Well, I think um, I, it's really interesting because a lot of the character dynamics that the, the anger or the conflict is when one character cannot trust another. But really, when you look at it, none of them can trust each other. There's so much kind of flip-flopping. I'd say Lana, on the whole, is the most, like as you say, open-hearted and honest. It just mm-hmm. goes to show, like, so many episodes, it doesn't pay to be open-hearted and honest. It really doesn't. <laughs> no. So You just get hurt. You get hurt. So yeah, there was a period of time where I was confused about Simone's powers, and I almost thought that they only worked against men uh, because she doesn't use them. She could have just went to Lana and said, hey, you're going to break up with Clark and yeah. fall in love with Lex. Like, like, like she, again, that's why I'm saying like she didn't need to make it a sexual thing with Clark. I think she wanted it to be one, which is why I think they did, in fact, have sex. And then when she comes down, she's in a towel. She's obviously just taking a shower, but she still has her pendant on. She she gestures to it like she might want to hypnotize Chloe, but then she doesn't. So I was like, oh, this must only work against men. But then later she hypnotizes Martha, so that's not true. It's just just kind of a weird thing. But I do, again, I love Chloe that she plays it off like, oh, thank God, Lana was such a downer. I'm glad you guys are together. I've never seen Clark happier. But then she starts snooping around and steals yeah, her ID. I love this. I wrote in my notes, I love seeing Chloe roll a natural 20 for deception. So great. The light, immediate light. I'm so glad you're happy together. And then straight after that, a natural 20 for sleight of hand. And this Mm -hmm. is the Chloe that we love. She is a journalist. She is an investigative reporter. Like, bam, bam, bam. It's great. I loved it. It was really good. And, And it was such a short moment as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, it happened very, very quickly. But once again, there's a little bit of confusion by me because she goes out to them and says, Clark, Clark, I need you. We know Clark has super hearing and super speed. So there's no reason that he would not have been there instantaneously, but he wasn't because yeah. if he was, then Chloe would have got caught. So it's just just weird. But then we cut to Honduras. It's a small village. There's a pot-bellied pig. And uh, from the companion guide, I remember reading that like it was like a thing that the director wanted a pot-bellied pig in the scene, like no matter what, had to have one. So that's why it's there. I don't know if pot-bellied pigs are in Honduras, probably, but the director was adamant that they have one in the scene. I didn't even notice. I do not remember seeing a pig, but I'm I'm glad the director got what he wanted. I was looking for it because of the companion guy. That's probably the only reason why I noticed it. <laughs> so Lex shows up looking for fine, and guess what? He finds fine. Finds fine, fine. Very, very <laughs> easy to find fine because apparently fine, fine wanted to be found. <laughs> he left breadcrumbs specifically so that Lex would find him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, this is whole thing like, Lex himself taking a plane to Honduras when you're a billionaire, like. Yeah, you just do things like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, 
what I really loved about the fine Lex dynamic is quite often we see Lex in the past has been in this kind of manipulated relationship with Lionel. So to see fine kind of similarly manipulating him, I found it to be really interesting and I liked it. Yeah. So apparently this is sort of a long con that Dr. Fine, or I keep saying Dr. Fine, Professor Fine, that's not even his real name anyways, <laughs> is playing against Lex here that he intentionally left these breadcrumbs for Lex to follow, including the fact that Fine is not actually a professor, but that he's like a covert agent. Because there's this moment of possible miscommunication where Lex says, and I already know what you are. He doesn't say who you are. He says what. And that is when Fine gets a little bit anxious and you see behind his back, he sort of like Terminator 2's his finger out to a blade which we've seen him kill multiple people with so far so he's about to kill lex but when lex says you're a government agent that's when fine relaxes because that's what he wants him to believe this is all sort of a setup to get lex to think that he's a government agent so that they can work together on this thing that will happen later in the season i don't know that it perfectly works but it works well enough i guess oh yes i needed to say so that whole scene where they're having this long conversation was, were you not super distracted by the rain on the t- the tent? That's all I could hear. I, I wasn't actually. No, I, d- I didn't pick, pick up on that at all or it didn't register to me. Well, yeah, go back and listen. I think the sound guy should have got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm a little bit confused because Fine is talking about how they believe and they, in this case, he's saying the government, the U.S. government that he's apparently working with believes that a spaceship landed during the second meteor shower, but that someone with vast resources got there first. Of course, this is Lex, but then it disappeared. Fine knows where it disappeared. He's there with it, but he's, again, he's trying to manipulate Lex into believing and understanding a couple things to think that Lex is ahead of Fine, where Fine is way ahead of Lex this entire time. There's a little joke here about the coffee. I don't know. I, yeah, really I, I thought the all coffee right. joke did not land at all. Like, I didn't come here for the coffee. Well, is Honduras known for coffee? Like, and if... I, I don't drink coffee, so I don't and know. And if it Maybe. is, like, that's... you uh, Anyway, yeah, I felt that landed really <laughs> flat. But yeah, I mean, uh, really, really interesting watching. I love it when Lex is manipulated by somebody outside of Lionel, because yeah. that is you know, the player being played. So yeah, I'm here mm-hmm. for it. Because he's usually ahead of everyone. Exactly. And Fine is, is that one person master. other than his dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah other than his dad that, that gets out. So I, I, did, I love that call out as well. All right. So if you don't mind, will you read the third act summary, please? Yes. Chloe tells Lois her theory that Simone is using hypnosis to control Clark. And after some initial doubt is all in and goes to confront them, but is knocked out by Clark on Simone's orders. Simone and Clark are heading to California, but need to make a stop at the mansion first so Clark can kill Lex. As you do. Yeah. So we get some Chloe dropping knowledge on Lois by some over-the-shoulder slash walk and talk. And Chloe's like, yeah, I think Clark's behavior is some sort of supercharged hypnosis. Lois is like, what? That makes no sense. But then Chloe has some proof. Simone's dad was world-renowned for curing his patients of all kinds of afflictions, everything from cravings to cancer. And then pretty much Lois is like, okay, I guess I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I I really like it when when the audience, ca- when everyone catches up, the audience doesn't have to wait for someone to be convinced. I'm like, yay, mm-hmm. now you know, just go. So I appreciated that. But yeah, I mean, 
I picked this up because I saw your note, like, but why Clark? And then, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chloe's like, I don't know, but she does not know. <laughs> why do these things keep happening to Clark? Yeah. Yes, so many things happen to Clark. Which, And I will give Lois some bit of the doubt here that she has now been possessed by a witch, I think at least once. Lana's been multiple times. She has started to see enough weird things in Smallville that super hypnosis isn't that Right. Out of the ordinary. The Clark thing is the thing that people should be asking was why would she use this power on Clark and not Lex, though Lex isn't in it around at the moment, but why not some other person who's very rich or powerful? Why the, the Kansas farm boy? That doesn't really track, but whatever. Uh, but Chloe, of course, need, knows that she's going to need some kryptonite if things are going to get hairy. So she goes to grab some, which is which is good. I mean, at this point, there's so many freaking kryptonites. I was like, what's green again? Oh, yes. Green is the original. Yes. Green is the main one. Green is the OG that just makes Clark weak um, so that he won't be able to kill everyone by Simone's orders. Uh, we cut back to Honduras just for a quick moment. Fine, speaking fluently the native language, which I believe is Spanish, uh, gets directions to a young kid who's playing with a spaceship-shaped rock or two. This is so dark, Michael. This is so dark. Continue. Yeah. So the kid's dad apparently carved this after having seen something, but was later found dead. So I'm guessing these were the people that were in the hut that died, that find barbecued, but I'm not exactly sure. I I thought that he went ahead and just had like raised down anybody that had witnessed it. So I didn't even know that it was necessarily one of those people. Okay. It, it may not have been, but, but I, I do know from the rest of the season that there is a plot line involving diseases because I think Fine is laying out here that contact with the spaceship might have been carrying this contagious disease type of a thing. And that's why the scientists were there, that these people were infected with that. Again, I'm not 100% sure how it tracks very well, but I think that's part of what he's laying as well. Okay. So one of the things that I think is interesting is that Fine brings up that he is well aware of Lex's tireless quest to find extraterrestrial life. That has never been a thing before. Oh, okay. Until Lex found a literal spaceship. <laughs> so it's no longer a quest to find it. He has found it. He's had evidence. It's now gone. But prior to the spaceship showing, now... Lex doesn't know that Clark is an extraterrestrial, and that is the source of his powers that he's been trying to, to find. So this is a really weird thing for Fine to say, and I don't think it really makes sense. Now, we find later, there's like season seven, that, that Lionel and this whole Veritas group were believing that there was an extraterrestrial heading to Earth and they were preparing for them. But Lex really wasn't a part of any of that. So I don't, I don't quite get why they said that and why it seems like it's a truth statement. I don't think it really is. That's so interesting. Maybe they were like building up to another storyline or or maybe Fine is like double bluffing Lex. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, it, again, it maybe that's part of that that tricking. He's trying to pump like I know that you're looking for extraterrestrial. That's why I'm willing to partner with you and Lex is just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's something I'm totally into" <laughs> because he needs and wants this yeah, partnership. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that is like I said maybe this is like a triple deception here that Lex is now now triple deceiving Fine even though Fine set him up for that. I'm, I don't know. I mean, I love the brinkmanship. It was like Lex was like, "I will help you if you give me unlimited access to all your data." And then you're like, "Whoa, okay." And then Fine is like 
do you not understand? If you don't help me, there might not even be a government to come back to. And I was like, yes, keep pushing up the stakes, you guys. <laughs> Brinkmanship at its best. It's fantastic. Yes. The, the I could, cannot choose the wine in front of you. Um, so we cut back to the farm. Clark has now packed a bag. Lois is there. She's wearing glasses because that's going to keep her from being hypnotized. I don't know. Maybe that works. But she's just like, dude, you're hypnotized. And if you don't, you know, if you don't stop, I'm going to kick your butt. And I, I do like Lois's bravado here, even though it's totally out of place. So Simone enters and she's like, uh, knock her out. And Clark goes, okay, fam, does pops around her head and she's unconscious, which is once again proving that Clark can knock people out anytime he wants just by tapping them on their head. So anytime he does not do that, when it would be very helpful for him to do that, it's Clark using his powers irresponsibly. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I never thought of it like that. And I loved I loved how badass she was, but it definitely felt like a big genre switch again. Like it was like, oh, we're in CSI now, especially with the shades and everything. Yeah. Mm, nice. Uh, so Martha comes home and now... Martha gets the whammy put on her, so it does seem like her power does, in fact, work on women. Because up to this point, it still seems like maybe it can't. Well, I don't know if the sunglasses work, so I thought, again, maybe she can't do this to Lois, and that's why she has Clark knock him unconscious. But it does, and she basically says, do whatever you have to to keep her from following us. And then we're going to find out later that, you know, shotguns involved. But Simone's <laughs> like, we're heading to California, and but we got one stop to make. We're going to stop by the mansion, and you're going to kill Lex. And he's like, he's a dead man. Yeah. So again, Clark has some agency here, but it's it's kind of yeah. Weird. And this is like this is when the steam factor goes from two out of ten to minus ten out of ten. It's just so unattractive that he is extremely like yeah, do whatever you say. It's just like oh, the ick factor. <laughs> yeah, but great. Yeah, it's a great. I guess if you're watching with like commercials, it would have been a great line. You're going to kill Lex, and then yeah, yeah, he's a dead man, and then cut to commercial. But otherwise, it, it, again. And I know, you know, I'm not trying to get too far into people's psyche. There is something about a dominant woman telling a man what to do that can be sexy. I mean, there are people who pay for that sort of thing in certain situations, but it doesn't come across sexy here. No, exactly. It doesn't. It's weird. I mean, maybe it's because the chemistry of the actors are off. Maybe it could have been incredibly sexy. I don't know. If it was Michelle Yeoh, then who knows? Let's move on quickly. I'm I'm swamping us in the mire here. We may be oversharing a little bit about ourselves. Anyways, fourth act. Martha is about to shotgun Lois in the face when Chloe knocks her out. Chloe then runs off to the mansion where Clark is in the middle of killing Lex for Simone. Chloe uses green kryptonite to weaken Clark. Lex grabs a gun. Chloe and Lex fight over the gun and Simone gets shot and dies, freeing everyone from her powers. So, yeah, so we, we wake up to Martha having a shotgun just pointed at Lois's face. So, again, the power here has some wide arcing yeah. interpretation. She says, do whatever you takes to stop Lois from following us. There's lots of things she could have done. Shotgun to the face is one of. Yeah, I mean, I wrote down, why didn't she just hide her car keys? It's, yeah, tie her up, yeah. break her legs. Yeah, I mean, there's no excuse for it. It's lazy writing. It's an excuse to get the shotgun out. Uh, but we have an unconscious person here. Well, first of all, you got to count Lois. Again, I forgot to mention that. She does go unconscious. So that's our first unconscious person for the episode. And then Chloe just knocks the snot out of Martha. And I have to say, this was my, the most shocking thing that happens in this episode is when Chloe just comes out of nowhere with that rolling pin. I was like, I mean, it's like, oh, my God, Martha's dead. Unfortunately, she's just knocked unconscious, our second person <laughs> for the episode. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was great that Chloe got to rush in and do that. 
I just, I just, I guess I think the shotgun was so over the top. I was glad that that was resolved quickly too, but I found it shocking as well. And there was definite tension. You were like, oh, what's going to happen? Yes. But this makes no sense because Chloe's like, where's Clark? And Lo says, I, something about him going to the mansion. She was already yeah, she was unconscious before that was said. So she would have no idea. She should say, I don't know. But if she says, I don't know, Lex is dead. So fortunately, she's like, I think they're going to the mansion. Uh, and we do see Lois grab a bag of frozen strawberries and put it on her head, which I just thought, I, don't, I thought it was a funny touch that she would go and just grip. It's like she's been knocked unconscious so much that this is just like, oh, yeah, grab some frozen peas. But there happen to be strawberries. Well, I thought stuff. it was funny because, you know, obviously she likes chocolate dipped strawberries. So now the freezer is full of them. So I thought that was a, a, a fun callback. Nice touch. Nice. Okay, I like that yeah. as well. And then Chloe disappears so quickly, it's almost like a zoom off. Uh, it's like her version of zooming off, leaving Lois behind, not knowing what's going on. I thought that was kind yeah, of Yeah, that was funny. So we go to the mansion. Lex is there. And Lex is blathering about something when Clark grabs him and throws him across the room. And we have this line that Lex... Clark, you've been hypnotized. How else could you throw me across the room like that? <laughs> That has got to be some of the worst writing I've ever, even on a show. I love this show, but that was such bad exposition based. Like, how do we show Lex Clark's powers without Lex realizing he has powers? Well, obviously he's hypnotized, but we don't have time later in the episode for that to come clear. So Lex has to put that forth for us. It was awful. It was horrendous. Yeah, period. It was really bad. And also... Uh, if Superman is coming to kill you, do you think he would A, throw you around the room for like up to five minutes or B, just, like just shoot you with his fire eyes? I don't know. Right. Again, that goes back to what? how much agency does Clark have? Because why would he care at all about what Lex is saying? Lex is trying to explain who Simone is and why she can't be trusted. But if he was actually hypnotized, none of that would matter. But it does allow him long enough to, you know, get some of this out, slow Clark down long enough so that Chloe can show up before he's dead. But it's it doesn't make any actual sense. No. So, But somehow Chloe shows up, which weakens Clark long enough for them to fight over the gun. No one notices the the green kryptonite, and even later, I think she grabs it and like throws, throws it down, it down the, the hallway. Corridor, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And again, we've established Lex has cameras in the office. Is he never going to go back and watch that and go, "Hey, that's weird"? I know. Uh, but classic TV melodrama: we're fighting for the gun back and forth. Oh no, what's going to happen? Boom! It goes off, perfectly shooting Simone through the pendant, destroying whatever or setting free whatever was in there, killing her. So the only person who actually knows Clark has powers has died. I mean, also that murder, like, that's going to weigh pretty heavily, right? We just shot somebody, like... Oh, no, not at all. They don't care at all. Barely an inconvenience. No, we just chuck the corpse down the corridor, same as a kryptonite. It just completely whatever. It doesn't, again, the consequences be damned, it's over. But interestingly... There are some consequences to this episode because we did this as our cold open. Lana goes back to the barn and she's like, I know you were hypnotized. Chloe already explained everything. And Clark has taken this opportunity to just do a clean break. As, as awful as it was, 
it did rip that Band-Aid off, and it just allows him to end the relationship. So the relationship is going to stay broken. And in the companion guide I read, they talked about this is the episode where they were broken up for good, which isn't exactly true because there's a short period later in one of the seasons where they get together for a couple episodes. But for the most part, this is the end of the Clark Lana thing. Like this, it's never really a thing again. Uh, but the biggest thing that bothers me is that he asked her to come to the barn Rather than going to her, he has super speed. He could have easily zoomed to her dorm room and said, I'm sorry, but we're broken up. He made her drive, which again, at this point is three hours. And gas money. To, and gas money to break up. She then has to drive home, probably pouring tears and sobbing, ugly crying. It's not safe for her to do so. Really that is entirely cruel and unnecessary. PSA, do not drive after a breakup. It actually is dangerous. Yeah, when you're ugly crying, you're not in control of a car. That that was such a cruel and unusual thing for a necessary thing for him to do. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea that this was the last the last gasp. So this episode feels way more significant now, which is kind of annoying at how many trite moments we had. But I love the weighty melodrama. Like I say, the acting that the character obviously being in so much pain and the the pacing of the episode allowing for that to come through, I respect that. And that, that mm-hmm. I mean, when you have an actress who can emote that hard, it kind of just does the work, right? Right, yeah. So I realized I jumped ahead and actually the scene with Clark and Lana is actually in the fifth act. So my apologies, I jumped ahead there. So this is just where Clark's telling Chloe that he's going to do this that he's going to take this as an opportunity to do a clean break. Uh, But then we actually have that happen. The first thing is in the fifth act. So if you don't mind, will you read that summary, please? Yeah, no worries. Also, I can't believe I felt the denouement of this took a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Fifth act. Clark doesn't take the easy out and uses what happens to break up with Lana for good. Dr. Fine continues his inscrutable machinations in Honduras. Martha wonders if Clark knew Lana wasn't the one. And Lana goes to Lex just as he planned. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, so this this act starts with that scene that we did as our cold open. So again, we did the majority of that dialogue. Clark had the opportunity to say, yes, I was hypnotized. That didn't matter. Uh, we didn't actually have sex. He lies, he says. Uh, but he doesn't. He's like, nope, we're done. Again, he calls her there, which is terrible. Uh, we've already kind of touched on that. But is there anything else you want to say about that scene before we move on? Um, The line, I've walked up these stairs so many times, how come they seem so much steeper? I thought that was a great line. And it sounds like she knew this was coming. Like, yeah. Like, that's not the, like, yes, it's a weird situation, but if she went there knowing he had been hypnotized, she doesn't need that explanation. That seems to be a weird line unless she actually knew that this or something similar to this was coming. Yeah, I agree. So we go back to Honduras for just a quick moment. We see the black goop that is uh, Professor Fine when he's not Professor Fine. He, but in fact, he turns into four different versions of himself and then say to one another, we need more samples. And they all zoom off into different directions. Again, this is building towards a plot line that involves diseases and vaccinations and kind of weird stuff. I feel the black goo was prevalent in sci-fi fantasy shows at this time. So we had the X-Files black goo. So, yeah, I think there's a famous Star Trek Next Generation. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I mean, this is you can see the progression of CGI. You have the Terminator, Mercury, Quicksilver implements and black goo just really took me back. Made me feel very nostalgic. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm a huge X-Files fan of the first five seasons. I just pretend the other seasons don't exist. Okay. Uh, so we cut back to the farm and we have this kind of nice moment between Martha and Clark where she talks about what happened. And she sort of asks, like, you know, maybe the reason you took this opportunity is that you knew part of you knew that Lana wasn't the one for you. And Clark says, you know what? I'll always love Lana, which isn't a refutation of what Martha said. He can't always love Lana. You know, a lot of people remember their first love. Very few people are with their first love forever. Uh, but I think Martha very, you know, very rightfully says, you didn't just break her heart. You gave her a reason to hate you. And I hope that this doesn't drive her to do something you'll regret. And we immediately cut to the mansion where Lana goes to see Lex, which is exactly what we don't want Lana to do because we have Lana who has all these reasons to hate Clark, has a lot of information. If you, she were to just sit down and ask herself some questions, there's a lot of stuff that she knows. Lex, who wants to know what's going on, we don't want Lex and Lana together. That's like the worst case scenario for Clark. And he's absolutely sent her to him, which is what he wanted the whole time. I mean, I think the worst case scenario shows up in the next episode where Clark has driven Lana to hate him. So spoilers, like Lana finds some hardcore drugs, the equivalent of like Smallville crack <laughs> and becomes an addict. So yes. Martha was completely right. You know, your douchey behavior could push this poor girl to maybe even the limits of death. And that's what happens. So that's exactly what happens. Yes. Not that Clark should necessarily, that's not his fault. In, in, a, I mean, in Smallville, it might be. But in real world, if you were in a relationship and you break up and that person goes and does drugs, don't blame yourself. They, they had issues. <laughs> but in the show, yes, Clark probably pushed her to do yeah. that. So I feel a little bit bad because we always have fun you and I talking about these titillating episodes, but this is a very down, like the, the sexiness isn't very sexy. It's more awkward than anything. And it's more down than anything else. So I, I hopefully next season, I'll have a really good sexy rompy time for you. Oh, Michael. Um, but any, but any final thoughts on this episode? How did it land overall for you? I mean, I think there's a couple things. One is about our friendship, which I, I really, I, I really adore. We don't get to hang out like outside of this. We need, seriously, we need to play role-playing games together. We both have that as a love, and we've never done that. That is a shame. I know, but I, I love how we can really discuss anything. When it comes to Smallville, we can pull in so many different strands of stuff we think and care about. And I think our friendship helped me get through this episode. And I feel like because I've been doing a lot of work in the grimdark of Warhammer, really, like, mm -hmm. you know, that has really dragged me through the pits of Mordor, you know? So... But I think you get me like I'm really all about the escapism, the fun, the unicorns, the sexy times. So thank you for seeing me and appreciating that. I took me. A little <laughs> I do. I, I love you as a friend, Mira. I'm so glad you're in my life. Same, 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 same. Um, but you really um, I'm happy to put the work in and watch through this darkness. I know <laughs> you and I will have so much fun pulling it apart. And, you mm. know, I, I will enjoy whatever episode even how dreadful it is, because this is the fun part of the episode. Right, great. I'm glad to hear that, because I did feel a little bad when I was like, I found a good sexy episode, but then I'm like, actually, it's not. It's not really that yeah. sexy. No, it's good to have so, feelings. Final thoughts on the episode overall? Did you like it? Do you like where it goes? Just any big thoughts? Because again, I know you don't know as much about the Smallville overall as some of my other guests do, but uh, how did this episode land for you overall? I'm really pleased to discover that it's kind of like a key episode. Like there's you know, the impact, the keystone moment of 
this being a big breakup, I think is great. Big deal, yes. Um, I love that we got a smashing trope with um, the song being so apt, you know? I <laughs> And um, I really loved, we had like, sometimes I feel a bit claustrophobic in Smallville. It's like the talent, okay. the mansion, the farm, repeat. So I loved Honduras. I loved the mystery. Mm. I loved a character coming in that's like kind of befuddling Lex. And we had a, a aeroplane. So we yes. we had a really money episode. Yeah, it was great. All right. Well, so then kind of the last thing we talk about is the man versus Superman. Again, I think that's pretty clear that that's what the, the creators were going for. They wanted to explore Clark's destiny to become Superman because of his heritage of a Kryptonian versus his desire just to be the all-American boy and do the things that all-American boys want to do, play football, eat apple pie, which happens in this episode, and then date the girl next door. But he can't. Um, so there's a conflict there, and that's what this show is exploring. So do you think with that in mind, with that lens in mind, do you think this episode falls one way or the other? Do you think it highlights that um, the the conflict between the two or just any thoughts about this episode with the framework of Man versus Superman in mind? I mean, I definitely think there's a gear shift, right? Because they've been to the Fortress of Solitude now. Like there is law in play and there's also an AI alien creature. So you get a hefty thwack of this other universe that's going to impinge on the farmer boy apple pie lifestyle. So I felt mm-hmm. as a transition, those elements worked really well. So you can see why it's not going to work with Lana. And then there's someone with powers and there's a spaceship and another being with superpowers. So I thought it was a real, you know, like you say, it was like man versus Superman was at the heart as as a topic. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And I think this is an episode that swings heavily into the Superman avenue where he is he's made a decision that i can't have those things and it will go back and forth because that's what the show's about but in this episode he is like oh i'm i don't have the ability to have a a human relationship with lana it's not going to work let me take this opportunity of a superman type of thing a super hypnosis person has led me to this position to to hurt her i'm just going to lean into that so it's here him saying i can't do that it's not it's not fair to lana to try I'm just going to not do that. And I think what he's saying to Martha isn't that Lana's not the one, but that I just can't have that relationship. In, in this moment, Clark is saying, I will just never have an earthly human relationship anymore. I'm just going to cut that out of my life and focus on other things. Now, again, because it's a show, he will swing back in later episodes and do other things. But I think this episode is very, very heavily in the Superman category. He's pushing away the the chance at a normal life. He just doesn't think he can have one with anyone especially Lana here. Until the next episode. Until the next episode <laughs> when things will be completely different. Exactly. Uh, so again, Mira, always a pleasure. Absolutely love having you on. I do want to play some role-playing games with you because I think that would be fun as well. And we can do some non-small billion things. But you get a chance to ask a question for next week's co-host. What would you like me to ask? Uh, next week's um, guest, if you had a magical hypnosis pendant, who would you hypnotize and to do what? I wonder if that will be a sexy time answer or more practical. We'll see. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. All right. So Mira, so this is your chance to plug all the stuff that you do. If people want to interact with you on, on the internet, maybe give you some other spicy shows or spicy episodes <laughs> to watch. Where can they find you? Where can they interact? Uh, with they you? can find me working through Californication box sets, which is oh, wow. pretty much okay. all spice and David Duchovny. We're both a huge fan of. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, like I'm all over the internet. I'm 2023 is the year of creativity and 
dipping into everything. So find me as Mira Manga or one word pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah, my YouTube is what I'm working on. And I also do a podcast called the Girls on Tour podcast. And yeah, just live, love, laugh. so is your youtube channel is it mirror manga or is like well what would you search in youtube to find your channel i would search mirror manga like i I also have a link tree but you you need to type in link tree forward slash it's mirror manga because there is a german porn star whose name is mirror manga oh wow so you have been warned i have been warned okay so I, i can blame you when i accidentally find that Amen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Twitter, Instagram at Mira Manga. Yeah. Twitch. It's Mira Manga. Anyway, just, you know, do people ever really look up people at the end of podcasts? I hope so. I really do. Because I think I have some amazing guests on. I think a lot of you do some interesting stuff outside of the Smallville realm. And I would like to think that at least every now and then someone's like, I thought that person was cool. I'm interested in their stuff. So I will put links in the show notes so that people won't accidentally find German porn. (laughs) You find German porn. It's not an accident. You did it on purpose. Uh, So I will put links in the show notes to make it easy. But I hope people will look for your stuff and find uh, other ways to interact with you. It's truly my hope that that happens. Alrighty. So um, as for myself, of course, you can find everything I do at the RPG Academy. I've mentioned it a couple times now. I have a game coming out. This uh, this episode should drop before it comes out. But February 28th, uh, my game is going to Kickstarter. It's called Action 12 Cinema. It is a role-playing game. It's GMless. So if you are kind of new to role-playing games, it's a great avenue to get started. There's no anxiety, no uh, worry about having to run a game. The game does all the work for you. You just get to sit around with your friends and make up a really silly, over-the-top action movie story. Uh, I'm currently on my Academy Twitter doing a uh, movies that inspire me. So like I talk about all the times about all the movies I watched as a kid. Some of them are really terrible, but I love them. So every day I'm posting a GIF of a movie that I watched as a kid and it has kind of inspired me or the game itself. So I've done like Remo Williams, Tremors, Enemy Mine, um, Last Starfighter, The Thing, and Big Trouble from Little China, I think are all the ones I've posted so far. Uh, So if any of those movies are movies that you think would be fun, then there's a good chance Action 12 Cinema is a game that you would enjoy. Uh, If you want to support me other ways, we do have a Patreon for the RPG Academy. You can support me there. It kind of all rolls in together. But really, just listening means the world to me. Taking the opportunity to to write an email saying, hey, I found your show. I like it. I absolutely love that. If you haven't taken the chance to leave a review, please consider doing that. We're at 30 now for the show, which is not bad at all, but 31 is better. And I would just love to have more people listening and following along. So with that, just remember to stay after the end credits for the scoreboard. Farm to Fable is a Smallville rewatch fan cast and is not officially affiliated with DC Comics, Warner Brothers Television, the CW Network, or any other owners of Smallville and or its related source materials. As such, these companies retain sole ownership of all symbols, images, names, logos, and other proprietary material related to Smallville. Our use of logos, images, names, likenesses, and sound clips are being used under the Fair Use Guidelines. Our logo was created by Michael Waldschlager II. You can find Michael on Twitter at LoserMLW. Farm to Fable is written, edited, and produced by me, Michael Ross, with additional input by weekly co-hosts as credited in each episode's show notes. And now, let's check the scoreboard. So looking at total number of vehicles wrecked, we're still at 79 as we had no new vehicles wrecked this week. Total number of times a person has been knocked unconscious. We're now at 288 with Clark knocking out Lois when Simone tells her to, uh, tells him to. 
Chloe then knocks out Martha, who was going to shoot Lois because Simone told her to keep Lois from following them. So looking at our main cast, Lana has been knocked unconscious 28 times. Lex has been knocked out 28 times. Clark has been knocked unconscious 21. Chloe, 18. Jonathan Kent, rest in peace, 14. Martha, now 11. And Lois, now 9. And Lionel Luther is still at 4. Total number of times someone goes to the hospital. We are still at 112 with no new visits this week. Looking at our main cast, Lana has been to the hospital 11 times. Jonathan Kent, 9. Chloe, 9. Lex Luther, 7. Lionel Luther, 5. Martha, 5. Clark, 4. And Lois, twice. And the total number of times Clark tells her show someone other than his forever crush Lana or the Dustin love of his life, Lois Lane, his powers and abilities. We're now at 118 with three asterisks and Santa Claus.